0: Hello and welcome to Life of the School, episode 131. Hello, my name is Aaron Matthew and I'm a biology teacher from Massachusetts and on Life the School podcast, I like to sit down with a group of fellow life science teachers and ask them what's going on in their classroom and what are some of the issues we are collectively facing. Uh, On this episode, we're going to talk about the aspects of collaboration with colleagues. But before we get into that, we're going to start with our goofy question, which is just as we're about to head into Thanksgiving, uh, I'm curious, what's a Thanksgiving side dish that you have that may not be on everyone's table? And we're going to start with Kelly Cluthy from Missouri. Welcome, Kelly.
1: Hi. Um, So my family is all about the desserts. Um, We usually have at least one pie per person or pretty close to that (laughs) ratio. But maybe the most unique thing that we have is gooey butter cake, which is like regional St. Louis uh, traditional dessert that is basically... Yellow cake mix, a lot of butter, cream cheese, and powdered sugar. Like you can't go wrong with any of those things. Wow,
0: that sounds familiar. There was a, there used to be a, a recipe I got when we were down south when I lived in North Carolina that sounds that has a lot of those similar elements. I'll have to dig that out. I remember, I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> Maybe you have to, I have, to, I have to ask my mother, but. It,
2: Delicious. sounds awesome.
0: (laughs) Sounds amazing. Uh, All right. Joining us from Wisconsin, uh, I'm shocked, shocked by the the answer to this question, Uh, is Sedate Kohler. Welcome, (laughs) Sedate.
3: Hey, guys. Yeah. uh, So for my Thanksgiving dish, um, this is actually a recipe that isn't common to my family, but Um, When I was in my uh, teacher education grad program, uh, we had a Friendsgiving, and one of my uh, classmates and good friends from that brought this delicious dish, and I always forget the name of it. I've texted her for the recipe like 1,500 times, and I can't manage to save it (laughs) properly, Um, but it is like a cubed potato, um, multiple cheese situation, (laughs) Um, like heavy whipping cream, cream cheese. Lots of different kinds of cheese and potatoes. So again, you really can't go wrong. Uh, and it's warm and it's gooey. Um, I just can't remember the name of it, but it's it's a very midwestern, Wisconsin specific uh, dish. So
0: it's it sounds like the the potatoes are are just there because it would be like. Too much to just eat cheese. <laughs> yeah, they're like uh, <laughs> they're uh, they're, they're a they're
3: vessel. They're uh, I was know, to say they are a... a
0: vehicle yes. for cheese, friend. Yes.
3: They are the perfect exactly. vehicle. <laughs> exactly for cheese.
2: Yep. I mean, yep. what carbohydrate isn't? Honestly, <laughs> I mean, a vehicle for. for cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah um etp production meh. cheese vehicles yes that's <laughs> yes, exactly maybe that's what we should just call them when we teach Honestly, about it I'd, I'd probably get better <laughs> buy-in if i
3: did that so <laughs>
2: I will kind of... have to remember that when I when I teach the the macromolecules to my IB kids here in the next couple yeah. of weeks. There you go.
0: Well, and, and and obviously uh, we are we're going to stay on theme with going down to Texas uh, and uh, we're going to have mm-hmm. Lee Ferguson. Welcome, Indeed. Lee. What is your what is your unusual dish?
2: So most of the time, I'll I'll just be honest. Most of the time, I'm not home hmm. at Thanksgiving, right? Because I'm I'm usually traveling because it's the week of my hmm. anniversary, and so. Obviously, COVID's kind of put a a dent in that the last couple of years. So I have cooked for Thanksgiving. But the thing that I make, and I literally only make it once a year, is this super decadent, most unhealthy version of scalloped potatoes that I make. And it's just layers upon layers of um, Yukon gold potatoes, salt, pepper, a little bit of nutmeg, and then just heavy whipping (laughs) cream. Like I warm it up. You know, I I don't scald it or anything. I just warm it up, pour it over the top of it, cover it with foil, bake it in the oven for like almost two hours. And they are the damn best potatoes you've ever put in your mouth. They are so good. But like I said, I only make it like once a year because I'm pretty sure that if I ate them more than once a year, my doctor would really be unhappy with me.
0: And I can can hear sedate saying, wait a minute, you don't put cheese on there too? Um. (laughs) 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 Well, yeah.
3: You got to know your place. There's there's cheese. There's cheese in most dishes in Wisconsin, um, and I understand that in Texas there is this thing called spice. Uh, we don't know about that here in the Midwest. That's a foreign yeah,
2: see, contest. and I mean, and um, for us, cheese is queso, yeah. right? Like like if I Ooh. have, you know, we're we're gonna have queso, right? You know, partly because I'm, you know, Latino. Well, <laughs> Latino, we're gonna have queso. But I mean, it's it's a, it's a state dish anyway, regardless of your. Your like state heritage, <laughs> right? Exactly. Oh, we have we have that too.
3: <laughs> state food group, if you will. <laughs> yes,
2: yes. Brisket, queso, tacos. Yeah. <laughs> we have all the good food. I think I went to a there food truck
0: once where I got a brisket taco with queso on it. Um.
2: <laughs> See, oh, it's it's portable. You can carry them with you. All right, well,
0: I'm going to come off as the healthy one here. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of all right, what's there? And by the way, two of you have potatoes uh with uh a, with, with a with a heavy dairy product on there. So I'm I'm I, I call foul on the question um that, that we have it. Everybody has potatoes in there, but how...
2: So we have a we have lactose intolerant, <laughs> you know, lactose intolerant unfriendly yeah.
0: foods, I but guess. How how many people have mashed uh turnips and carrots on their table? Yeah. And so by, when I say turnip, yeah. I mean like rutabaga, uh not like Turnip that you get turnip greens from, but I think technically you'd be called a rutabaga if you went to the most supermarkets. But uh, the the Quebecois uh, uh, call of turnip. So um, this is a this is the funniest dish because this is a dish that my French Canadian grandparents have always had on their Thanksgiving and Christmas dishes. And then when my mother uh, and my father uh, started going, uh, you know, uh, got married, uh, my mother went over there and she had those and she was like, oh, this is great. And so she started serving it on our like holiday uh, tables, uh, which then it started being served at all of. The people who are in her family, and my mother's one of 15. So then my other in-laws started making it. I started making it at Thanksgiving. And so my in-laws, uh, my wife's family now, they serve that as their Thanksgiving dish. When we weren't there last year during COVID, they made turnips and carrots as their <laughs> to have on their to have on their Thanksgiving table. <laughs> so it is this weird thing that has migrated from my grandmother on my father's side to Many, many different families now serve this as a staple in there, and as I said, it's got some butter in it, but I, it is going to be the healthiest. <laughs> okay,
1: I was just about to ask. What's yeah, I, yeah, because I was going to ask you, how
2: is
0: it? Yeah, so it's, it's it's butter, uh, salt, and pepper. It is it is super simple, and it it's. Uh,
2: yeah, that actually sounds yeah. pretty good well yeah. and
0: with a heavy dish like if you think about all the heavy stuff that's out there like you know the we we make we mm-hmm. serve a pretty creamy mashed potato um, and I love a mashed potato and gravy mm-hmm. and you've got the the turkey or even on Christmas when we will sometimes do something else like having this like it's a brighter, It's a little salty, not too salty. Mm -hmm. I usually a pretty light hand with the butter and stuff. It probably is the least butter of anything that's on the on the whole table. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's it is a it's a it's sort of this bright vegetable that kind of goes along with it, and uh and it's 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 a little as I said it's it's a little different than just having carrots. Um, and it's uh, as I said it's you got your uh, beta carotene you get the the, the, that's your mix in so.
2: I mean, isn't it funny how we take like super healthy vegetables at the <laughs> holidays, right? And then we make them into the most unhealthy yeah. things ever, mm-hmm. you know, because I was just thinking like down here in the South, it's like broccoli rice casserole, <laughs> you know, yep. any vegetable gratin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the last time I made a gratin, it was, it was cauliflower and Brussels sprouts, which remarkably are amazing in a gratin, and and we have a barbecue joint in Dallas that serves it, and so I found the recipe, and I made it, I think, at Christmas for us, and it was really good. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. We
3: just, just as an aside, I took French in high school, mm-hmm. and it took me until just this moment to realize that's how you pronounce the word G-R-A-T-I-N, because <laughs> my my Midwestern father Always has pronounced it au gratin yep. potatoes.
1: Yeah, yep. so good old new I, I have
3: she Ina Garten talked. to
2: thank <laughs> because oh, I God. didn't know that it was pronounced that way either. Because my parents always called it au gratin too. Okay. and I was and I remember watching Ina Garten make a gratin once, and I was like, "She, what is she talking about?" What she talking and then about? I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's what it is." Isn't that so funny?
3: Really? I just as an aside, we didn't really. My principal calls a bird And we didn't really bird walk that much uh, in our last conversation, but I will do it for the moment. When I was in college, I was taking our, our stats course and my professor was not uh, was not a native English speaker and so she was talking about a particular disease and she kept on calling it malaria and I didn't think anything of it. I was like, Uh-oh. I don't know if it was a native disease and it was a professor that didn't do a ton of notes so I never saw the word. It was just like, here's the problem, <laughs> let's solve it together and it took me like four weeks later to realize she was discussing malaria because <laughs> <laughs> she kept on saying it was malaria <laughs> I was like, I oh. am the idiot. Like, it's all power to her to be a professor, not natively speaking English. Mm-hmm. I am the idiot. I could have, been, I could have figured
2: this one out, and I did not. Well, and <laughs> half the words in science aren't English yeah. in nature. Anyway, exactly. I, I was thinking exactly. we could have a
0: whole show yeah. where we just all bring like ten words, and it's like, and Our it's like, words. all right, mm-hmm. how do you spe- how do you do you pronounce it, mycorrhiza? my corazia like like we could but we could butcher the we could butcher a whole bunch of uh, various things and um and you'll find out what people's specialties are because like there's all these microbiology things that i say and they just come right out they like roll off the tongue for me um and then there's like all these ecology terms that i get to and i'm like Uh, or human body like human anatomy oh goodness i don't know how to say any of those things like kids are like how do you say that i was like probably wrong i don't know
2: (laughs) i think you might say it like this but i don't know ask siri siri might know i'm not i'm not
0: i often say i'm not that kind of nerd (laughs) Kids kids enjoy that one. (laughs) Because I can't say I'm not a nerd, but uh not that kind of nerd. (laughs) Exactly. that yeah. breed <laughs> not that nerdy all right well let's let's get into the concept of collaboration and again this is uh, you know this again this is my brainchild of a show so so you know I was talking to I, I was mentioning in our last show that I, I work in these this group of five teachers which is too many people to collaborate with like it's just it's unwieldy and I often say that like there's times when I go and ask people and like just the process of asking the group about something it takes like a half an hour if i want to go and talk to each person about how we're going to proceed on something because we don't have all a common prep uh we don't have like there's just there's really no time and if we all do get together for a common thing like before school every it's so slow because it's just too many voices it's it's too there and i will say this we're too nice Nobody wants to step on anyone's toes. We haven't been working together very long, so everybody's very deferential. And I'll be—I'm—I'm—I'm so- I'm, I'm sorry. Five people deferential in a room can get remarkably little done in an hour. <laughs> yeah, it take yeah. It and so done. Like, so it's yeah. just—it's really, really hard to do it. And it's not because we're—you know—like anybody's hard to work with, or it's bad, or anything like that. It's just—it's a. You know, culture plays such a strong role in how you do that and your relationship, the relationships that you establish with them um, and how you work with people. Like, I bet you that I could pull five teachers from like the AP biology community and collaborate on something more productively because I have a relationship and I've developed these things over time. You know, even if we come to it from very different places. I think I can get a lot done with that group as opposed to five teachers who are trying to work on curriculum for the first time who don't have any of those things Mm -hmm. uh, worked out. So I want to talk first about culture. Like where where, where are the cultures that we we bathe in in our school? Because I think that's going to play a big role in how how we approach these things. So let's start with how big is your science department and sort of what are your collaboration expectations? Uh, today let's talk with you, how big a department do you have in and what is the expectation from, from leadership about how you approach collaboration?
3: Sure. So, uh, we're a department of seven. Um, we have about 900 between 900 and a thousand kids at the school, depending on each year. Um, And within that seven, um, there's a couple of different groups. So predominantly there's four of us that teach biology this year. However, um, and then three of us that teach chemistry. However, those numbers, the the chemistry course is always going to be a second year course. Biology is always going to be a first year course. And so just depending on class numbers, those numbers may fluctuate. Um, so within that, the fact that we have this group of biology teachers and this group of chemistry teachers, um, there is an expectation that there is, um, some collaboration. So our admin, um, our admin have, have bought in to the PLC professional learning, uh, community idea. Um, I have been lucky enough to go to one of the big, uh, PLC, uh, shoot, I forget what the name of the the group is that puts on those conferences, but, um, I've been lucky enough to go to one of those and that's great. I will say the conference was delightful. However, it's very much geared towards middle school and elementary. So just know that mm. in advance, if, if anyone is a part of those conferences, um, but and a lot of it is, is, uh, when, when you're, when you're, you're met with, uh, challenges or individuals who are resistant or reluctant to engage in the, uh, collaboration and, in full commitment to PLC that they're like, figure it out. So it's, I didn't find them super <laughs> helpful beyond like, get creative with your, uh, human interactions, um. Anyways, I digress. Uh, so we're ex- we, we have an expectation that all of our biology students take the same assessments. We have an expectation that all of our chemistry students take the same assessments. Um, and so um, that is obviously, um, as as Aaron said, easier said than done, that, that agreement and that planning. Um, so we have, we actually have a gift this year that I think we might talk about a little bit later in terms of time allotted towards PLCs. Uh, we have, we have been given a really, really big gift that might make all of you super <laughs> jealous. Um, so when we get to that, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more, but there is that expectation, expectation of we'll collaborate. Um, we do have singletons though, which is the really delightful term that the PLC conference has given to people who don't have any people to collaborate with like mm-hmm. Kelly, um, and so, like, my mentee this year is a first-year teacher. Um, first-year teacher at the high school level, she was a uh, – she has her master's in geology. I don't know exactly what the the major was within within the university that she was at, but essentially geology. And so she's taught before, but just not at a high school level. And she is teaching six sections of earth and physical science, and she is the only earth and physical okay. science teacher. And so um, – Girls going where girls never gone before and she's kicking butt and taking names, but she is the only one teaching that class. And so um she does not have the the same collaboration um that the rest of us do, at least from a curricular standpoint. Um But we're we're a very strong department, very, very supportive. But
0: can get get that help um get the help in terms of other yeah, in terms of other other things about like how do you structure things or or some of the the vertical teaming components. Yeah. I often refer to singleton. So when I, when you use the word singleton, I I was thinking originally, like I teach, you know, these four sections of, of biology, which I collaborate with people. And then I have this one elective. That's how I think of as a selective. Uh, But again, it comes from like school size. Like, I think that's, that's it to me. And I often think of that as like, oh, this is my sandbox. Like, this is the thing where I can do whatever I want. But you use singleton, like you might be a singleton in all your classes. (laughs)
3: Yeah. So yeah, that makes it tough.
0: Exactly. All right. So going uh, maybe not quite the other end of the spectrum, because I think uh, Lee and Kelly are probably the furthest apart. But Lee, you're certainly not in a mm-hmm. a, a group of uh, just a couple of other teachers. Uh, oh, <laughs> so, no. So, so how many no. teachers do you work with? And, and, and again, what is your expectation in terms of collaboration?
2: So we are expected to work in PLCs mm-hmm. um, because as an entire department, um, and our our organizational structure is kind of strange, too, because I te- I technically belong to two departments. I belong to both science and advanced academics. And so when I think about just my science department, if I'm talking about the science department housed on my campus, there are probably between 30 and 35 of us, I would <laughs> say. There's a lot of us. I mean, because, you know, I, I know, Erin, you know how big my school is, but Sedate and Kelly, my school has 5500 kids (laughs) in grades 10 through 12. Um, And so we've got about another dozen teachers at the STEAM Center across town. So like our AP physics is housed over there, environmental science, aquatic science. um, And then there's like a science leadership course that's housed over there. And so, um, you know, we are only expected to to collaborate with just our PLC. So outside of the two women that I work with most directly, I don't really see the other teachers in my department much. Now we do happen to share um, a, a quad with our physical science teacher, we call it IPC. We share a quad with the IPC teacher. You know, and I'm kind of an unofficial mentor for the IPC teacher because he's just a second year teacher. And so he and I, you know, talk a lot about, well, how do I do this? And how do I do that? Um, not so much about content, just because there's a reason I'm not a compositely <laughs> certified science teacher. And that class is why. Um, but we don't really collaborate at the department level. Uh, there, there aren't real good opportunities for it. Uh, the other thing, too, is that You know, we will sometimes ask, like, say, for example, the chemistry folks, we'll ask them because we have sophomores that are concurrently enrolled in chemistry. Hey, you know, when are you guys teaching bonding? You know, when are you guys doing this so that we can kind of anticipate what the kids might be coming to us with? But inevitably, we're always, you know, a few steps Mm -hmm. ahead of them, you know, and so it's just like, okay, we're going to try and make it so we don't have to have you unteach the things that we taught them. You know, we want to make sure that we do this right. And so there's just really not any collaboration with other folks in the department beyond our PLC, just because of our sheer size.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I think
2: I I, I can relate. You know, you're talking about a team of five being a lot. Like one of our chem teams is 10.
0: So so imagine.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, imagine getting stuff done in that group. (laughs) You know, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good.
0: <laughs> and that's like that's if they weren't all like that's if everybody is of a same mind and doesn't have radically different philosophy mm-hmm. oh, philosophies yeah. um uh that yeah. and they're
2: not <laughs> and they're yeah. so not knowing the folks on that team or most of the folks yeah. on that team they're not i mean there's people in my department i don't even know you know because that's how that's how little we yeah. interact with them yeah I, you know? I
0: get that. I'm not quite that big, but I get that. All right, so uh, so I having almost exactly the same experience, uh, Kelly. Um, <laughs> uh, what is I, I what is the collaborative expectations in your school?
1: Uh, wildly different than Lee's. Uh, so. We are a seventh through 12th grade school. So we have two middle school and three of us at the high school level, but we are all singletons. So um, in high school, I am the life science teacher. We have someone who teaches our chemistry and physical science. And then our instructional leader is um, like part time leadership and then part time teacher where she does environmental science. And she also teaches like a history of genetics course where they go into. Um, the eugenics movement and like the history of biological race and how that's not actually a thing. And it brings in a lot of like social justice and science. So it's, it's really cool. Um, but that also means that we aren't able to really collaborate across um, content very well. But we do all have very similar philosophies. We work really great as a team and we agree when it comes to vertical alignment So we're able to really sit down and figure out what are the skills that we want to focus on in each grade level band. Um, And also we talk a little bit about content, um, vertical alignment as well. So we have our ninth graders take physical science, um, 10th grade is biology, 11th is chemistry, and we can say, okay, so for them to be successful in biology, they should know how to um, balance uh, chemical equations. So the physical science teacher will then make sure that's focused on, and then we kind of bounce back and forth with our students. Where she has them for ninth, I have them for tenth, and then she has them again for eleventh grade. Um, so kind of cool to be able to do things like that. Um, collaboration is easy in that regard, but it does kind of suck not having someone content-wise in my building to bounce like lab ideas off of and things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah it, I as you as we're all talking and we're going through this, I think about it how if the goal is to educate like children, how little we talk to the other people who are trying to do the same thing. um, And how it's like (laughs) devised that like, it's a bunch of sort of autonomous adults, like in largely just making our own decisions and then seeing the kids for Mm -hmm. an hour a day. And then they go off and see other adults for an hour a day. And we started with sort of the science collaboration, but like, I could say like what Lee said about the, about the science teachers. I could certainly say that about the history or English or world language teachers. And I've been in my building for over 20 years, but somebody new gets hired. There's a chance. I won't know who they are for three or four years. So there are entire teachers who've come into our building as new teachers and didn't make it through three years. And I have no idea who those people are. Like it is, it is such, we're such a big faculty. We're over a hundred total that you know it is entirely possible. In the last two years, in particular, with the distancing and the and the masking and all that, it's even it's even more profound uh, that that gap in in there. But even before the pandemic, there were windows of time where I whole people would come in. Um, my my school. The interesting thing about the science department and and really all the departments is we are very heavily siloed into departments. So we're about twenty teachers, roughly, in um, in science there are eight teachers who teach biology. Those teachers will also teach other things. So for example, there's one teacher who's uh, the biology and AP viro teacher. There's another who teaches um, some earth science and biology Another teaches biology and chemistry. So there are definitely people who, who bridge between the different subject areas, but eight of us who teach at least some of our core biology. And we have a strong culture of uh, the person who hired me really was, he was teaching a bunch of like, um, previous generation teachers who kind of all did their own thing. So when I came in, I was hired as a group of one of four teachers and there were some teachers that existed and some other teachers who were, who were brand new. And he really strongly instilled in us that we were to work together to design and modify and adjust curriculum. And that Basically, the state standards had changed in the previous decade. And the 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 veteran teachers who were in their last five years of teaching were like, Yeah, state can say whatever they want. I'm out of here in six years. And they just did their own thing. And so they and some of them were excellent at what they did, but they just like they just did like it was, you know, it was at that time like 15 different teachers. You know, The physics teachers had a, a culture of collaboration, and a couple of the chemistry teachers collaborated, and then a couple of the chemistry teachers were more or less at war with each other, which was an interesting dynamic. And then the earth science teachers, they were an interesting bunch. They were all over the place, and the biology teachers all did their own thing. And so it was like a crazy thing. So we came in, and then a culture became very – you get – you get together and you did it and it was hard but i think it forged a lot of learning as a group and as i said now you know I, the, the my teacher i've been teaching with for 21 years uh his only texted me twice since we've been on this call um <laughs> but the the point is is that like we you develop this relationship um in there and once you can build that trust i am so much better a teacher Because of that relationship, because he sees things in ways that I don't see, he hears things differently from students than I, than I hear. And so like, let's say we're going over, say a test, for example, and I find a question that's flat and I talk to some kids, he will say, well, I wrote the question this way. And I'll be like, yeah, when I was talking to kids, they read it this way. And he'll go, oh. I didn't see that wording, but now it's not just him having his conversations with his students and me having my conversations is now a dialogue between us also about this. And then we're like, well, how did we teach that? Was this a fair question based off what we teach? What are we, what are we missing from a, and so like now it builds this broader conversation, and I think we we just take a much better approach to it. So um, it's it's really cool to be in a group that's like that. Um, even if I was complaining that working with five other people is a, a Sisyphean task um, for this one year, um, I still think that I'm learning from each of the other four people I'm working with. It's just very challenging to try to make it work. Um, and especially in this year that's this weird year after the... You know, we were fully hybrid last year, so I didn't see any adults last year on purpose um, for all of last year Mm -hmm. and didn't develop any of those relationships with some of those people who who were in there. So uh, very interesting dynamic. All right. So let's let's now transition this and this I think is going to be fairly repetitive, but I I do want to. I do want to think about this and especially this may be more relevant for Kelly of all of us, because I think that if the school has a, as a PLC culture, like what good does it do if you're a singleton, but um, do you have any colleagues that, that you collaborate with, plan with, develop or reflect with? And these again, don't have to necessarily be in your building. Cause I actually was thinking about this, that um, I think Lee, I texted you a couple weeks ago about a lab um, mm-hmm. and, and that sort of things. But, but like, you know, do you have both in-building and out-building Communities and and then like how long has have you been you know nurturing these groups and so let's start with Lee as as a member of my PLC. Um. <laughs>
2: yeah, I was going to say so I'll say that when I first began teaching because I was or be, teaching AP rather because I was the only you know advanced biology teacher in my building um, and did not have anybody to collaborate with um, you know it was so important to seek. You know, mentorship and everything outside of the building, and so I, I did that first, and so I relied on the teachers community, you know, the online teachers community, and then people I met at the AP reading, you know, because I started reading very early in my AP teaching career, Um, and then just kind of built that network, you know, I've built that network, you know, and it's a very extensive (laughs) one now. Um, you know, just because of all the you know the the experiences that I've had, you know, within the science education community, and so I'm very fortunate that, you know, if I have a question about something or if I need to bounce something off of someone, I can call, I can text, I can message, I can do whatever, um, you know, and and it's likewise with other folks. You know, they'll call me or they'll you know. In fact, I got a call from Chris Monsor earlier today about you know a lab, and so we talked for a little bit and. And, and so I have that. And so I'm very, very fortunate to have all those connections. But then I've also mentioned that I have a team that I work with. And, um, you know, my team has changed composition quite a bit in the last couple of years. But there has been one person who's been constant. And I will say that at first, we didn't always get along. Um, we butted heads quite a bit. And at the end of that year in which she began working with me, you know, we finally had it out because there, there were some times that, you know, it, it became very difficult for us to work together and it was starting to spill over Mm -hmm. into the classroom. And since then, you know, we, we finally figured out, you know, you had said earlier, you know, it requires some trust and building a relationship. And that is certainly true, you know, and once we, once we, you know, laid out why we were having so many disagreements and, and everything, you know, we've worked together, you know, in sync since. And, I've, and it's been just the biggest blessing, honestly, and I don't use that word lightly, um, you know, to have her as, you know, a colleague. And then, you know, last year we hired somebody mid-semester uh, we stole her away from our freshman center. Um, and, and the timing was really good because she was looking to get off of the freshman campus and to try something new. And I, and I you know, I, I, I DM'd her actually on Twitter. I'm like, so, hey, want to come to the high mm-hmm. school? <laughs> we have an opening. We need an AP teacher. And she's like, yeah, sure. And so, you know, two weeks later, boom. She became part of our team and she has been a fantastic addition. And so I'm very lucky um, to have the, the group of, you know, the, the pair of women that I work with, you know, we've been working now together for exactly mm. a year um, and it's been, it's been great. I mean, and we, we rock and roll and we've got a meeting tomorrow morning and, you know, they're going to get me caught up on what we did last week since I was gone for two of the three days that we were in school last week and all that. So it'll be you know, it'll be back to business as usual.
0: Yeah, it's 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 funny when you when you fight through that and you get past it on the other side. And as I, I mentioned, like when Brian and I first started working together, it was it was me and Brian, and then um, uh, a teacher who's now actually one of the deans in our school. And when we first mm. started working together, the three of us are remarkably different, and I I just like we would have these very tense like. Uh, disagreements like and and i think that mm-hmm. and it was one of those things where um you know i was talking to brian about it on that on that episode uh you know back in in october and it was, it was like I, I just was i was like a immature hothead like I'm like a 26 27 28 like i just was not a I, I wasn't I, I wanted things to go a particular way and I didn't handle it. It was like I was not a good grown-up. Like I don't I look back sort of embarrassed about how I was, but also knowing like of course I was an idiot. Like, you know, nobody's really nobody really had it together. And and he he and I had such different personalities and and Fred didn't make things any better. And it was like the three of us together were not a good mix. Until we got past those things, and then the funny thing is, I, I stopped teaching with them yeah. for a couple of years, and I and I because they needed me to change like my courses and and what courses I taught, and because we're such a big school with electives, and I went away, and then after a couple of years, the opportunity they needed somebody to come back in the honors team, and I, honestly, I think the person who was the department head at the time was a little afraid to ask me, like, do you want to go mm. back and work with those guys because we were so like, you know, like. <laughs> I don't know i it worked i I yelled at them they we eventually got it all well Mm -hmm. but we weren't necessarily it wasn't i'm not quiet i am not a shrinking violet and like and i I I have very strong opinions about everything um and everyone knows that so uh but i was like yeah sure i'll go back you know that'd be a decent fit and um i went back and it was like awesome going back like having those couple years apart where we all grew up a little bit Mm -hmm. we all gained more experience we all had like another set right. and they had done some really cool stuff. And then I came in and I'm kind of wrecking ball in general, but they were also mature enough that like I would come in and just like mess everything around <laughs> and, and, and they were ready in their careers. They were at a point in their careers where me as the the chaos agent that I am, I could come in and like say, Hey, why don't we do this giant crazy lab? That's probably not going to work. And they'd be like, why? And I was like, cause I think it's really good. And they're like, well, but what? And I would have answers to all their questions. And they're like, all right, let's give it a shot. And they would do it. And we couldn't have not have done that in like 2005. Like that just wouldn't have happened. So um, right, yeah, it's great.
2: Well, and sometimes I think it does take getting to that point where you just finally explode <laughs> and and hash and yeah. hash it out and figure out, okay, where do we go from here? And you know, we have learned to to capitalize on each other's strengths. I think that's been the other important. Piece here is because you know jennifer is my teammate and and she and i are so drastically different in the way we approach teaching and learning and assessment but i think both of us have stuff to teach each other and and i know and i've told her this over and over again i'm like look you know i have learned so much from you and just watching what you do um you know and how you how you handle things and how you organize things and how you sequence things you know she's been you know just really really instrumental in helping me to get better at what I do you know and I think that's what that's what a good teammate is is somebody who kind of pushes you to be better you know I think we all need and deserve that you know and, and as somebody who had a teammate that was just like a bump on a log <laughs> and was content to write my coattails, because I did have that before, you know, I basically did whatever I wanted. And then when these people came in that were not like that, it was a really hard <laughs> adjustment. You know, it was a very hard adjustment. So I'm glad it was made (laughs) because I think I'm a better teacher now than I was then. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. It's fun.
0: Like in a lot of ways it's easy when nobody pushes back, but you don't get a whole heck, you don't get a whole whole heck of a lot better when that's happening. No, you don't. Yeah. Or there's a, there's a ceiling to it. All right. Well, This is a totally unfair question now to you, Kelly, Um, (laughs) but you do have you, but you do have a, 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 and maybe, you know, you're in building because you do have some collaboration in terms of some aspects and things to learn, Mm -hmm. but you also have this, this wealth of of a, a community outside of it. So, so where does your collaboration come from?
1: Yeah, so I already mentioned a little bit about like all the vertical alignment that we do, and just how well my science department meshes personality-wise, philosophically-wise. Um, but like Lee was saying, like we are very wildly different teachers, and we have a lot to teach each other just about classroom management, or formative assessment, or um, inquiry, or phenomena-based. Mm. Uh, teaching. So um, we learn a lot from each other in those ways, but I really do lean on my networks outside of my school. Um, In a lot of ways, we kind of like grew up together (laughs) from baby teachers and undergrad um, into a decade into the classroom now. Um, We started with You Can Teach program, which was the um, STEM like pre-service teacher prep program at the University of Kansas. And a lot of us became very, very close friends and have been really involved together through the Kansas Association of Biology Teachers. And then um, Brad Williamson was one of our mentors. So he got us involved in the National Association of Biology Teachers. Um, So that's been especially important to me. Um, But I I really got to say the people in my building, like we have been forged... By fire through this pandemic. And not only do we learn a lot from each other, um, we also are just like friends and mental support for each other. So there's been things over the last couple of years that have sent us all like spiraling for one reason or another. So we're constantly texting each other down um, from like quitting our jobs and things like that, you know, with all the challenges that we've, we've faced. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think I would be in the classroom today if I didn't have my professional organizations and the teammates that I yeah. do.
0: Yeah, so so I the number of, like, group texts I have from NABT colleagues, uh, I think that that <laughs> yes. group, I had several group text lines with different groups last year. I mean, uh, heck, the podcast last year with Lee and Tanae and Ryan is, like, a a big part of how I stayed sane last year, uh, where those checking in on a regular basis with that group to have those conversations. And, and I think you bring up the the concept of the, like like the mental health support component, um, teaching can be just so isolating, um, that it can be crazy making, especially when you're in a smaller school. And I remember those days that having that network outside that (laughs) tells you, Oh no, like this is not normal. Like having that is so important. Mm -hmm.
1: And I got to say, like for all the evils of social media, it's actually been awesome for my career. I've met you all through Twitter of all places and have learned so much from you and get support that way. And then the Facebook groups for AP Biology Teachers or NABT on Facebook is basically the only reason why I'm still using it as a social media platform at this point, so... Yeah. You all have been like instrumental yeah. to my career. I've, I've
0: been toying with the idea of like trying to figure out how to teach everybody to get on discord and have like a discord server so I could get off face that I could Please. get off Facebook. Um, but the problem is that I was like, all right, well, I gotta get Kelly there. Uh... <laughs> I can get all the, the cool young hip nerds over there. I don't know if I can get everybody else. onto there. <laughs> Maybe. A- uh, it might it, be, it might be a, some certain it, it might by, st- right? be a sad state of my friend my friend group that that as m- more of them are approaching 50 <laughs> than uh, than closer <laughs> to 30 at this point so uh, uh, discord might be outside of their comfort zone
3: <laughs> I was gonna say earlier when you' were talking about you as a 26 27 28 year old I was like mm, well not to <laughs> not to publicly age or date myself here but uh, tread carefully on the whole 28 years yeah. of age. Situation. I, uh, I have multiple because... fleeces
0: older than you said I have. I already figured that out when I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> one day, oh,
3: one day in this podcast, we'll discuss a really great anecdote of mine where I figured out a way to get my uh, my really lovely. Lovely, most tenured colleague of mine. To stop calling me little girl. At <laughs> oh school.
0: no! Uh, so I was
3: responding to him one day by saying, "What's that, yeah. old man?"
0: <laughs> I would, I would, I would hope nothing less would be said as 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 an old man. I am, I am good on that.
3: And he took it in such beautiful stride, and he hasn't called me yet, little yeah. girl since then. So uh, it worked really well.
0: so so you've totally set us up now uh, today so tell us about the culture of collaboration little girl about what's going on
3: (laughs) oh god oh okay nails on the chopper right there uh i thought i was done with that title um i would never yeah like i said before we've got really strong department um we actually had a this this year has been a big transition year for us we lost um basically the 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 two of our, our two chemistry teachers from last year, granted that individual, um, whose name is Larry, he's a lovely human. Um, He, he has been our our fixture as a physics teacher um, and was, was just physics for a while. And now he's got a little bit of physics and chemistry, but um, we, we've just always been really strong. We have had really, really good people um good strong science people um uh, which and and content managers i guess is what i'm going for in this aspect which has not always been the case um but we've been going strong in terms of that for the past couple of years um and so we have a we have a very healthy you know bring bring something to the table in terms of like an issue and solve it um where I struggle as the leader of our PLC is getting us to push for more than, I don't know if I would say the status quo, but, but push for a little bit more than what the typical um, is. Um, our, let me figure out way to say this tactfully. Our districts, our district and our school board is happy to remain as we are. And, uh, there's a number of us that would like to push for more, um, from our students and from our, um, what, what they can do. Um, and so some of us in the department are in that, you know, like happy to live in the uncomfortable or maybe happy, but, but grow and enjoy living in that uncomfortable space of, um things aren't quite right yet. Mm-hmm. Er, and then some of us are happier to accept where we're at. Um, and so the other challenging part is that um, for us, and and frankly, for this year, in terms of collaboration, um, those of us who are teaching biology, who are teaching the, the freshmen are struggling um, behavior-wise. Mm-hmm. We have, we are... We are encountering things. I've, I'm encountering challenges that I have not faced um, since I was doing my student teaching in an entirely different setting. And so the typical behavior of freshmen in this district um, is different this year.
2: We're all and sitting here so, nodding. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was going to say yeah. that's, that's universal, I think. It is universal. Teachers yeah. of all subject areas that I've talked to have yep. said the exact same yep. things. Absolutely. It's been unreal. I know. And- yeah. It,
3: it is, it is a, a new monster this year. And so I think that the, so to put it in perspective, right. So, so Larry, my, my darling colleague, um, last year, for example, he only taught juniors and seniors. Um, and, and he had only been teaching juniors and seniors for two years. And then this year now he's, he's teaching sophomores again, but, um, in our chemistry course, but, but there's there's a big jump between our middle school and our high school, and so um, I think this year more so than ever, the community is being built around the general exhaustion of the freshman and sophomore teachers um, because it is – it is an, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to put it in different words than I already have. Um, and and the, the nods that I'm seeing, understand it. But uh, yeah,
2: I mean, I think I think part of the problem is, you know, you've got kids who, I mean, at least down here, you have some students who have not, that did not step foot in a school building mm-hmm. from March of 2020 yep. until Same August here. of this year, yep. right? Um, you know, because they they chose to remain remote all year last year. And so those students may not have had any sort of structure, any sort of routine, any sort of any, you know, kind of disciplined behavior in their environment where they were, you know, whether it was at home or traveling, because let's face it, we had students whose families were just like, this is a vacation, but you can log in from anywhere, Um, you know, so they may not have had, you know, the structure of school. Well, now they're being forced back into it. Yep. And they're being forced back into it with people that they may not have seen in almost two years um, and been around, you know, with adults that they don't know um, who have specific expectations for their behavior. Yep. And, you know, it it does beg the question, why are why are we not collaborating <laughs> as, you know, a school, you know, as as different departments yep. about yep. what can we do to minimize these behaviors you know, because I know the whole well build relationships with kids, that ain't gonna cut it because <laughs> nope. you know, that that no, we do that anyway, right? Yep. And even though we are doing that, that is not minimizing the impact of these behaviors on this kid on these kids learning. Yep. Right. And and so why are we not being given time to do that kind of thing? You mm-hmm. know, or even be provided professional development. What a novel <laughs> concept. Yep. Um, you know, for for, for kind of heading these behaviors off or redirecting yeah. them in some way that's positive and productive rather than, you know, negative and destructive, because that's what we've seen at my school, Yeah, um, you know, with that devious licks thing. And, yes. you know, we had kids that caused yeah. tens of thousands of dollars worth of damage to the campus because of that. And, you know, we're still, some of the bathrooms are still locked up because, mm-hmm of the behavior that we're seeing. And of course, kids are mad about this. And I'm like, well, tell your friends not to do stupid crap and film it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? So why why are we not, you know, collaborating, you know, about that kind of stuff? I mean, because I, un- I understand that, you know, collaboration on instruction is important, right? You you want to do that. But, you know, Sedate points out, uh, you know, we're all seeing some some really aberrant behavior that we have never seen.
1: Mm-hmm. You yep.
2: know, that we've never seen, regardless of how long you've taught. And, and it's
1: not just like the behaviors, but it's also the trauma that we need yes. to address. Yes. Not just with the students, but the staff. We've all oh, yes. suffered this collective, societal, uh-huh. uh, massive event and trying to jump back in and pretend like everything is normal is just right. yep. working out. And that's the other thing that 100%. makes it hard
2: to deal with all yep. of this is that yep. we've been thrown back in, you know, from the frying pan into the fire without any real support beyond here's a jeans pass. Yep. Yep. Here's a cookie. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. It, it's that, very frustrating.
3: On that note. So we, we took a, we took a pause on educator effectiveness,
2: whatever that means.
3: Uh, we took a pause on it last year. Um, which is that like that- your state
2: evaluation system or.
3: Oh, how to, please, how to- that's a great question. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> there's a website called my learning plan where mm-hmm. I have to submit my SLO mm-hmm. student learning objective by uh-huh. PPG professional PPG, P professional grow something. Um, uh, PP, whatever. And then, um, a whole bunch of other uh, artifacts that mm-hmm. show that I do the job of a teacher.
2: Mm-hmm. essentially. Gotcha. So okay. we
3: took a pause on that this past year, but one of the things that we're, we're back into it. One of the things mm-hmm. that we've had to do is fill out a, or ha, is, is give our kids a survey and then res, uh, analyze the survey responses and go forward. And I, I've taken a survey methods course because one of my degrees in undergrad was a, was science communication. And so I understand how to design a survey. Well, the survey that we do as a school is on its way to being a good survey, but it's got a couple steps in advance. And then you have to think about your survey pool are emotional teenagers who, whether they or their families want to admit it, like Kelly said, are coming off of a month long trauma. Mm -hmm. And so um, one of my coworkers who is this kind, sweet, loving, just like good person, administered the survey to her students and got some negative responses and was on some level, you know, devastated and upset. And I had to say to her, look, I listen to my students, I hear them and I respond to their concerns and their wishes, but at the same time, their brains are underdeveloped. They are an mm-hmm. undercooked muffin from the oven. <laughs> and they're even more so undercooked this year than ever before. Mm-hmm. And so to, to look at one kid's response that says, you know, um, I don't even know if she told us what the the, the phrase was. It's something I like, it's sort of like I can statement. So it's like, my teacher respects my views in the classroom. Well, if your views are you know, anti-mask, anti-science, anti, anti, you know, COVID is fake. I don't, like, I don't. When when your views are unfounded and you have nothing to back it up, and I am telling you scientific reasoning and data and evidence, and yours are 14-year-old, I've read some memes on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I don't respect those. And so she was just Mm. devastated. And it's her, you know, it's her I want to say it's her fourth year. So three of her four years are in the midst mm. of a pandemic. Mm. What, are you, what are you going to do about that? You know, how do you form an, an actual opinion about yourself as a teacher from your student's perspective? And, and that's what we're living in. I said to her, look, everyone's treating this year. Like it's, a, it's a normal year and it's not a normal year. No.
0: Like, well, no. and I was going Far to say fun. that some of the coping strategies, I think some adults have taken is that it is 2019, this is the curriculum I roll and they're just rolling it and they're, they really have made very little adjustments. Now, do I think that's the majority? And the answer is no, I don't think that's the majority of the teachers. Um, Not that I know all of the teachers, but they're definitely teachers who, you know, I have, (laughs) I have a son who is a freshman in high school and I get to see a cross cutting view uh, at his school, which is not the same as mine, but I also have my students in class. So I have a lot of anecdotal, you know, stories about what's going on. And I also have friends who are teachers teachers in the building. And I know that to some extent, the last year and a half really shaped and changed people in a variety of different ways. In some cases, it made them refocus and rethink and reorganize and do some things in very creative ways and have found some positives out of it. A lot of people have gotten very gun-shy about trying things and and regressed a lot in their education where they went from maybe being less progressive, going back to doing things which were more like what they did 10 years ago where they just presented content mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. did not engage in their classes are just less engaging because they became more tentative about what they thought they could do or they were pretty much told, no, just present content and we're going to provide ways for you to do that, but we're not going to provide you real authentic ways to engage. Um, and then other people are just like, it's over back to 2019, I knew what I was doing in September of 2019. I'm going to now roll my curriculum like I was doing then. Um, and 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 as a result, like, why would you not think that kids would be confused um, <laughs> and possibly being acting out if they go through two years of trauma and then are getting vastly mixed messages from the adults that they're seeing on a daily basis? So, um, yeah, no, I think we were nodding because I think we could see a lot of the There's a lot of uncertainty and just saying, yes, take an extra two weeks and connect with your kids and build relationships. We all got that message. And I think we definitely all got the message in my school to definitely not treat it like it's 2019. But then what happened after those first couple of meetings, you know, sort of what we were always done. You go sort it out, you know, (laughs) sort yourselves out. So, all right. Well, that was a, like, uh, I don't want to say it was good. It was, it was cathartic. We'll use cathartic as my term. Yeah. Yeah. That was a <laughs> cathartic detour that I think it was important. Um, but I, I, am going to get us back and and try to finish on our, our thing. Cause I actually, there are some positives that come out of sort of what our schools are doing to try to try to do better. And I think that, um, you know, what I often say is that, uh, And I don't want to say this is about necessarily my school I teach in because I I like my job. But um, I think school leadership um, uh, is almost always coming from a very well-meaning place. A really good, like great intentions with varying degrees of mediocre execution. Um, Like I don't think any of my school leaders are are bad people. I think they all deeply care about the students and and the teachers and they want to do well. But I think that... There, there's a big gap between meaning well and being able to execute super well all of these goals and try to keep everyone happy because you can't keep everyone happy. So, what you end up sometimes getting is a little bit of a mess. But with that said, my school has done some things to try to provide opportunities for collaboration. So, you know, uh, with the time crunch that we have in this school year. And, and trying to build trust and letting others take the lead and sharing resources and being vulnerable. Does your school do anything to actually try to make collaboration any easier? And then if not, what, what should they be doing? Maybe this is like a, a wish list. And, and Kelly, I'll start with you and in, in your few teachers that you have. Does your school do anything to try to you know foster collaboration?
1: Yeah, um, we do have one after school um, PLC hour each week. Um, that's obviously not enough. But again, I'm so close to my department that a lot of times we scheduled ways to talk and check in with each other um, through Slack or text or whatever. Um, I wish we had more time. I think that's an area that we are really lacking, especially this year, um, because it has been um, like the sub shortage, for example, has taken away so much of our planned time And one of the things in our schedule is trying to allow us time to have common plans so I can go and observe in other science teacher classrooms and they can come and see me and we can chat about what we see. Uh, But that hasn't really happened this year because we're off covering each other's Mm -hmm. classes and that's been one of my frustrations. Um, But I'm hoping once things start to go back to a more um, normal baseline, I guess, whenever that might be. Um, we will be able to spend more time observing because that's that's how I grow as a teacher. That's I love seeing other people do what they do and be passionate and pick up little tips from their, their uh, practice. Um, and I also like the feedback. This is the first time that um, I've been observed in a school setting from someone who's an actual science teacher expert. Um, my instructional coach is awesome. She's got a PhD in, um, curriculum development and she has background in environmental science and biology. So, um, it's nice to have someone who knows what science teaching should look like and can help me be a better teacher. So I, I just have a great appreciation for that
0: opportunity as well. Those are some, some nice structures, I guess, like the time part, wait till you hear what my time is, but, um, (laughs) all right. There hasn't been There's never be enough time year. anyway, but all right. Sedate, <laughs> no, uh, no. So, how about you? What are, what are your, what is your school trying to do to, to foster the collaboration?
3: Yeah. So just to give a little bit of history um, for the entire time of my being at the school, which is my entire career, um, we have been teaching six hours out of seven. And then there was always one individual prep period. Um, we had early release Fridays um where we would for for a couple of years it was like one whole uh school meeting and then a month and then three periods of like department plc last year we were hybrid and so we had monday thursday tuesday friday students and then wednesday was no students scheduled to be at school um but we always had an hour so reserved for the department So going forward to this year, our principal actually went to bat for us to see if we could become really innovative as a high school and have a a four-day week, essentially, four-day in-person week, and have Wednesdays off. Unfortunately, it did not pass. Uh, Like I said earlier, um, or I don't know if it was in this segment or the other segment, but um, we have a new administrative team. And so we have a new superintendent, and the superintendent was on board with the idea, but he which I agree with. He was like, I'm not going to revolutionize the school week my first year. So they compromised a little bit though, and did move us to an eight period schedule Monday through Wednesday. And then we are blocked Thursday, Friday. We've always been a hybrid block in normal years. So what that means is that Monday through Wednesday, all of the science department has fourth hour as a department prep, which has been really, really great. Um, and allowed us to stay really up to date with each other. Um, and it, again, we have this autonomy to break off into our course groups as needed. So the biology team can go work, this chemistry team can go work, and we can kind of loop people in as we need to. Um, and then Thursday, Friday, um, the those of us who are mentors um, are able to have, I have a prep with one of my mentees, I actually have two mentees this year. And so one of my preps is with um, one of those new teachers. Um, so, yeah, so we've been really lucky when you were talking earlier about admin. Um, this this has been a really fantastic change is moving to an A-period schedule. We do have that whole department prep period. It's been really, really good. Again, it's been mostly been cathartic <laughs> this year, more so than curriculum productive, but um, that's better than us going crazy and yeah. leaving the profession. So it's been more of a, a sharing of, of situations. than.
0: Yeah area of grievances. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. How about you, Lee? What, what does your school do in terms of its its structures to promote collaboration? So,
2: and, and the school's been doing this for quite a bit now. I think we've done this now for four years. That sounds about right. Uh, we have you know, the the requirement is that we PLC twice a week, right? And so they set those times for us. We don't get to pick. And so our PLC times are Monday and Wednesday mornings from, you know, at 30 minutes at a time. And so, you know, it's an hour a week, which is really not enough. And so, you know, two of the three of us have a common planning period. um, And periodically we'll get together and, and, you know, talk shop about stuff that needs to be done. Um, We don't all have a common planning time. And so, uh, you know, we've asked multiple years, can we please have a common planning time? Can we please? Part of the problem is because all three of us teach a singleton class and those singleton classes have to be scheduled just so because the, because they're IB classes, it's impossible for us to get, you know, uh, common planning periods. And so we try to really make our PLCs really efficient and. Um, and really effective. And we're, we're pretty, I'd say we were pretty good at it, but we also text each other and, 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 you know, use teams at work while we're there and, and stuff like that. And so that's really the only opportunity we have to, to have structured collaboration, because even on the days where we have professional development scheduled for the district, we don't have much time devoted to getting to work Mm -hmm. with one another on those days you know it might be oh here's 30 minutes here here's you know an hour here and by the time we get stuff you know what by the time we get into a groove it's like nope time's up (laughs) you know and so it's just there's there's never enough time but that's that seems to be the the norm yeah
0: excuse me all right well um so there's a lot of things about my school and my schedule that is are, are enviable um, but the collaborative time, I, I'm, I'm very jealous of a lot of the things that you're talking about. So uh, we've never had scheduled collaborative time before this year. Um, and actually during mm-hmm. the pandemic is when we first got it. Uh, very similar to what today was saying. Like we were doing a hybrid schedule very much that Monday, uh, that Monday, Thursday cohort, Tuesday, Friday cohort with everybody being remote in the mornings on Wednesday. And then basically after lunch was was either faculty meetings or department meetings or collaborative time um, in there. And so it was a decent chunk of time. It was about a two and a half hour window and it was remote. And so we were on Zoom and so we could do whatever we want. And even when we had a department meeting or a faculty meeting, we always had like an hour to collaborate. So some weeks we had, you know, two and a half hours to, to work on curriculum which was awesome. Um, and other times it was an hour and that was pretty good. And so they last year figured out that, Oh, teachers like collaboration time. Not that we haven't been asking for it for 25 years, but they, the, the administration finally heard that last year. And so they've now scheduled that we have two early releases a month on a Monday where the kids go home at one fifteen, and then we have collaborative time. And then one of those Mondays we have a faculty meeting. After the collaborative time. So the two hours of of time and then a faculty meeting, which makes for an awfully long Monday. I'll tell you on those days when you have a 75 minute meeting that starts at three o'clock that goes to 415 after you've had two hours of collaboration time. The two hour collaboration time is great. But again, it's every other week. And uh, department meetings will eat into that, so our department meetings will take place during that time. So those me- weeks we only have an hour, and then our district has also claimed several of them for district-wide PD, including, including UDL work, which is taking six of the hours, particularly in late October and in November and in December. So we lose some of those times. So, and I and I have very little faith in our our school to not seed t- and take. As much of the time that they can find a way of taking so like, it's great to design collaborative time. And I'm super grateful of it. But I want two hours every week. And I want the school to never take it from me. Um, Because as it is, I have to work all day Sunday, every Sunday, um, and most evenings, most evenings and have to then text or you know meet on zoom or do other things with colleagues in there and i can't really get more i really can't get more than one or two other person people to talk to about our curriculum so it's it's very challenging when the school doesn't build that in and the only reason it really works with some groups is cuz i've already got the that sort of trust and established relationship and this year i've found that with a group that i'm trying to kindle those parts with That time would be awesome, (laughs) but I'm only able to meet with like one or two other people during that time and for fairly short windows of time because other, the school is encroaching with other commitments that we have to do. Uh, Like, for example, we have mandatory training that we have to do every summer that's on, you know, allergies and all of the other, like, it's now like, what, 10 hours? Like, I feel like it's like, (laughs) or 10 modules that's like five and a half hours worth of, of curriculums.
2: Yeah. I think ours is like 15. It's It's it's, crazy. You know, Yeah. So we have all these modules.
0: And so your options are you can either do it during the summer when they release them, or they said, oh, you can just use that during this time. So during that time, I had done mine in the summer, but not all my colleagues had done that because it was the summer. And I don't blame them for using (laughs) their summertime to be on summer. You get the summer
2: to do it? We get the week of (laughs) in-service. That's all they give it to. That's when they release that stuff is during that week. And they're like, okay, you've got to do in-service. And by the way, you've got 15 hours of of this to do, what, yeah. how, well, they, how am I supposed to do that? They give us a little more
0: time. time than that, but basically <laughs> that's what they were saying, is that do this during your your collaborative time. And I was like, well, that's not collaborative time. That's like, mm. yeah. So, no. so I feel like it's a very mixed message. It's kind of like, it's the equivalent of me saying, mm-hmm. oh, I'm gonna give you the last 15 minutes of doing your homework in class, but I've given you a four hour assignment. And I kind of feel like our professional development, mm-hmm. our collaborative time kind of feels like that. The district's like, well, we've given you this collaborative time. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, it's it is yeah. totally like that, um, it and it really would be unconscionable is. for us to to do that to our students. Um, but I do feel like in a lot of ways, the leadership hasn't caught in that feedback, and one of the reasons we get our our. Um, mm-hmm our in our yearly training that we have to refresh on those things so early is because like we a bunch of us went to the district and said hey can we get this like not the last week of august when ev- the school year's starting we got a million things to do can we get it a few weeks early and they're like oh sure and so we get ours and our school doesn't go back until the end of august beginning of september we get it like the first week of august so we have if you want um, you can do those and, and put them on or or that sort of stuff. So um, I'm happy that we have it. I'm hoping that it is. This is me being my nice optimistic self. I'm hoping that it is the first step of many steps of providing collaborative time, and that they will realize that they have not given us nearly enough um, if they want to make us yeah. actually collaborate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that we got yeah. a little darker than I thought, uh, but I, <laughs> but I like, but I, I I like super appreciate the conversation because I feel like. Um, I feel like that there's been a lot of times where this year, like I've gotten into my own space of like, am I crazy or does this seem unreasonable? Like, am I doing that? And I think being with <laughs> I can't think of, uh, you know, getting three better people together and saying, listening to you talk about it to say, oh, no, every time I've thought this is way too much. Like, there's more on my plate and I need to take a step back and do what Lee says. Don't do work on a Saturday. I almost worked on Saturday the other day and I was like, no, Lee says no, don't work on Saturday. And and you know what I did? I went for a run in the woods. I went and got a swim. I might have gone to the comic book shop. Like, I did some things that, like, were not the things to do schoolwork. Intentionally, that's right. Um, uh, got a slice of pizza from my like my, one of my favorite places to go. Like, I did a whole bunch of stuff that <laughs> didn't do schoolwork. And did I have a crap load of schoolwork to do on Sunday? Yes, you know what would have happened if I had worked on Saturday? I would have had a crap of work to do on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, Sunday so, anyway, so exactly. it, it's, I think it is. Uh, and hopefully, this is the same for other people are listening to this to say, no, no, you're being asked to do too much. Um, and you're, you're, you're not, you know, you haven't lost perspective. It's, it's been a lot and it's going to continue to be a lot. And we've got, you know, I don't know, we, they say we're two months into this, but it feels like the school year has been going on for, for 15 months. Um, so, so oh, yeah.
2: We, yeah. I mean, I'm tired. April tired and it's, it's yeah. October. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have many more months to
0: go of this. And my only hope is that, it will start to like the there is always a dark like if you look at the the motivations of teachers, you always start with huge optimism, you then dip down and it's always mm-hmm. a dip. and then somewhere around December break and coming into January, people start to see some optimism because yeah, and we down. get that rebound and then hopefully <laughs> we can get some momentum into the spring. I just think that the the crash was a little earlier this year and it was a little and it was a little deeper oh, yeah, and I'm hopeful that the rest of the year we can follow those same cycles and we can we can, you know just get through this year and then incremental progress and, and, and gain that strength. So yes. thank you three for joining me Definitely so much for, la- for the for last crap. two episodes. It's been of awesome. Um, I've, I've learned so much as always. All right. All right. Let yes. me give credits to this episode. Uh, please subscribe to the life of the school on your podcast player of choice. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash lots support the work we do. Uh, you can provide a little support. You also can get show notes and early releases for Patreons. You can also get show notes on life of music on this. And every episode is provided by Jake Jenkins and X magicians. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Matthew tweets or at life of the school. And I will share the Twitter handles of, of Lee and Kelly incident date um, when I tweet out this episode. So thanks all for joining me and I will talk to everybody soon.